This is the Buck and Stock News Podcast, powered by Two Bulls, bringing you the stories and experiences from within the Bucking Stock world. And here's your host, Kyle Lippincott. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, I know we missed last week, but I'm super excited to, to get our intro put in. Scott Grover, thank you for working that into your busy schedule, cutting, a, cutting that for us. Um, but this week on the episode, I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. Uh, a pioneer of our industry. For those of you guys that don't know, Sammy Andrews was on the ground floor of the rodeo stock registry before it was the ABBI, uh, coming up with ideas with Bob Tallman on a napkin at a restaurant after a Bull Riders Only event, uh, and how they could take the, the lineage of what is now the ABBI to the next level back then in, in the 90s. Um, it was awesome getting to talk to Sammy about that. Not only that, but, but his breeding program uh, for his bucking bulls and his horses. They took a few horses this year, six bulls of the NFR this year. Uh, they were awarded, Sammy Andrews was awarded the 2019 Extreme Bulls Contractor of the Year. Um, year after year, Sammy spits out good bulls. And, and not only that, but bulls that go on be short round bulls um, for guys at the, at the Unleash the Beast series. Um, it was it was really really interesting getting to talk to him and hear about how they've become what they are today. And here's my conversation with Sammy Andrews. Sammy Andrews, Andrews Rodeo Company. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on and and be able to pick your brain about about some history. Um, you, you guys have been around for for a while in in this buck and bull deal and also the the rodeo business. Um, but I think, I don't know if, if very many people, especially newcomers understand that you were at the very, very front before there ever was a registry. Yeah. Me and Tom would come up with this brilliant idea walking down the street. We missed a ride from a BRO event and we was walking down the street at Phoenix, Arizona and was talking about how everybody says, well, this cast out of so-and-so and this cast out of so-and-so. And we got talking about DNA and and how we could do it and stuff. And we just kind of put us together a little idea about how we'd start us a registry. And and at this time, Bo was was the face of, of bull riding at the time, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was the financier of the registry for a long time. He's about all we had to keep us afloat for the registry. If it hadn't been for both, the ABBI might not ever got here. Bob Bob did tell me some, some things, uh, talking to him on the phone, kind of interviewing him about the whole start and stuff, that that there was merchandise of of Bo that, that you think you, you'd never think of. Bo had it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from bracelets to stuff that, that you know you wouldn't associate with bodacious really but anyway it was all kinds of stuff that whatever Tomlin could come up with and whoever he had helping him they did a fantastic job it's it's interesting to to know like where our registry and in in my opinion opinion that where the businesses has came to with with the competition events and how deep our registry is now to just just to think of the fact that that Bo was the first animal in there. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was kind of the cornerstone of the registry, and he's been the cornerstone of our breeding program. So, kind of starting, you, you mentioned in your breeding program, 
before i mean how 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 long you think just off the top of your head when you first started in the rodeo business did, were you kind of just doing it like everybody else buying bulls through the sale barn and and then decided to start having some cows or or did you start with the cows first no we uh shoot we we bought we was always kind of in the sale barn business and heck when we was in high school that's what we did we'd buy bulls and take them me and everybody ever kid in the block thought they could was a cowboy in them days, and we'd run them in an old shoot out there, and if they bucked, we'd keep them. If they didn't, we'd just run them on the kill truck. But uh, we started out, you know, always buying bulls. Back in those days, people kept the old crazy cow around. They'd raise some bucking bulls. But as time progressed into the late 80s there, people got to getting rid of the old crazy cows. If the suck bucket didn't work, well, they didn't have them around anymore. Therefore, there wasn't any bulls, and uh, we used to get a lot of bulls out of South Texas and stuff that always worked, and Gerald Smith and I were partners, and we'd buy about 200 bulls a year. Well, in 87, I guess it was, we bought 200 bulls and went through them. We got two, and that's when I allowed I better start my breeding program, and uh, of course, it then you just started out with some old cows and some kind of whatever bucking bull was around that was wounded. We stuck on them, but somehow it managed to, as the Lord would have it, managed to work itself out. But it was kind of like the blind leading the blind. It wasn't any skill or knowledge; just pure blind luck. Uh, I kind of I'm gonna jump forward just a little bit, but I kind of want to go back to kind of that how it all some bulls that you guys have raised and and spit out over the years but you you move forward to this year you guys just got back from the wrangler national finals las vegas well did you have six bulls at the finals yeah and and you guys were the extreme bulls contractor of the year and yes. like and it's it's home raised bulls like it's something i was talking to a friend about there's very few guys it seems like in the rodeo business that are still still raising bulls and, and hauling what comes off of their ranch and, and to have the the most bulls at the finals that that you that are raised from a what since 87 you said program that's that's very cool and, and intriguing to me yeah we uh you know it means a lot more to you when you raise them it's kind of like watching your child whereas when you go by you know it's nice to have them there anyway but it's you know rodeo has a lot of sentimental value and that raised one really makes it more special to you and and like uh still talking in in present time but uh like do diddy heck he he went to vegas for the pbr finals through the wild card competition and also the the nfr being being a four-year-old uh that's Maybe maybe some would say pushing one a little bit, but but he he handled the the PBR finals with ease, and they they were Stetson was ninety three and a half on him, uh, was around seven or eight there at the NFR. Yeah, round nine, and it was he did he and he's kind of beginning to calm down a little bit and stand a little bit better. There for a while, we was having trouble with him standing and stuff. He, he just wanted to. Wanting to go too bad. Mhm. So what about like with with you guys 
you got I do notice on the on the entry list and the results you guys do enter some some competition stuff uh periodically but I think for for some of the guys listening and you being in the business for so long you've seen that the times change do you do you start your bulls any different than you used to starting them at a younger age or more dummy trips or is it still the same no not bucking them till till they're you know ready for a rider no we start them with a dummy uh we've done that for years and years now and it just kind of depends on the weather with us how many times we get to buck them mm-hmm. <laughs> like last winter it was so damn wet we didn't get to buck them hardly any but it's uh and then we run into our spring rodeos which hit pretty quick so if the weather's not cooperating our we don't get to buck them very much but if it's nice and we have to be home for a few days we do like to buck them uh we go through them and we try and cull off of it it may be wrong but can't beat them all no that's for sure as was, that was going to be my next question is if be, being in the rodeo business if you guys pulled off a dummy or, or if you just would be like ah he wasn't gonna win any money with a dummy but he might make out later but it sounds like you like him to be pretty solid with a dummy in order for her to keep him around we do we want to be pretty good with a dummy and we're and being in the rodeo business you can't make enough to make a good living rodeo and so you have to raise some that you can sell to make it so mm-hmm. that's the, that's reason why you want to keep the upper end of them and and i guess if we haven't already had an established breeding program a guy'd be crazy to be raising your own now because you can dang sure go buy them cheaper and you can raise them that, that is for sure it seems like everybody's trying to trying to raise raise bucking bulls nowadays yeah and uh, i mean you can buy some good bulls for twenty five hundred three thousand that you can go rodeo with now and uh shoot I guarantee you, I got a lot more than that in these time we get them up there. <laughs> I, I there's a couple of, a couple of rodeo guys I, I asked one time, and we were close enough. I felt I could ask this question. And I said, you know, because they'll they'll we'll be talking and be like, hey, you know, if if you know of a, a potential NFR type bull, you know, we're interested. I'm like, oh yeah, what do you what do you want to give for them? They're like, uh, maybe five thousand. And I'm like, well, I, I asked him, I said, what what makes you guys think that you guys can get a, a sure shot NFR bull for, for $5,000? And they said, because you sell them to us for that. You know, like the, the other the other breeders that they they just need a, need a need to get rid of them more or less, I guess, when they turn five years old or, or four or whatever the case may be. And hell, everybody just rather get a, a little money for them than, than take them to the sale barn. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. But we go on rodeo with ours. We if once they turn five, we're still on the truck with ours. Mm-hmm. What uh? So kind of to your breeding program, what? I mean, with you guys rodeoing and stuff, you you mentioned earlier a bull that's wounded, but uh, you know, you look at at your registry, your inventory breeding to to, to fender bender and and Bo's excuse and and some of them bulls like uh gin and juice and what well, i mean do you just do you breed to some stuff kind of when they slow down a little bit or or you yeah, breed yeah to... when, when they get a little age on them we'll kick them out and like this year we'll breed the mellow yellow we've already bred to him we got a, a few bulls out of him it's really bucking 
and we're looking forward to them. They'll be threes this year, and we're ready to crack them out. And uh, but it, it, he'll be ten years this year, and I look to buck him and have his and have a son bucking with him at a rodeo, which I think will be pretty neat. Yeah, that would be, that would be really cool. And I remember back fighting bulls, Melio, and and that seems to be something from. I don't know if it's your upbringing with you, with your bulls or, or your genetics, but the the stuff that comes from from your program seems to have the heart and, and the longevity to still be going at, at ten years old. Well, we've been blessed with a few of it. Have had Oracle, I guess was, he went to the PBR finals when he was eleven, and there's not many of them get to do that. That's that's quite quite a feat, I'd say. The the black ball face bull. Or is he solid he, black? He is solid black, black Urkel. muley. Yeah. Where Where did the black muleys come from, Urkel and Slick Willie? Well, uh, Willie come from uh, Willie Mundale, and uh, up there in Oklahoma, and uh, we got him back in. You're tested by memory now. I was about <laughs> eighty nine, I guess, something like that, because he's booking bull of the year in ninety, I think, or ninety one. And but he he was a phenomenal bull, but I, and he might have been a producer for somebody, but we uh, we bred to him, and we never got any bulls out of him that bucked very good. You know, they bucked, but not good enough, and uh, we didn't get any, and we kept some of his heifers, and didn't seem like they throwed anything either. So was he and was I, he bucking bull bred by chance or just a bull that I, bucked? I, I, I'm sure he's a bull that just buck. I really couldn't tell you. Uh-huh. If, I'm, if I there, bet he was a rooster bring us bull, probably. <laughs> yeah. If there was a bull, I, I think I remember. Now you're gonna. I'm gonna test my own memory here. But Fort Worth one year, and this had probably been shoot five or six years ago. We there at the, in the hospitality. Uh, I, I asked you because you've got to you've got to haul and raise and, and breed to a lot of outstanding bulls and it, it, w- besides Bo uh, what's one in, influential bull to your program I think at this at this time you told me I want to say was Slim does that yeah, sound right? Yeah Slim uh, I tell you Fender Bender had a big influence on our breeding program and bucking program we've got quite a few cows still out of him and uh, he really kind of helped turn the into a real good producer old fender bender he had a lots of lots of bulls that made it matter of fact a lot of people got them it seems like seems like his daughters uh you know kind of again looking in the registry his daughters hit as well yeah yeah his daughters worked good i mean they really did. we still got some it was fender bender a bull that that you had got from uh Charlie John, or or was was he a bull that yeah. you guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie John, he he uh, was a bull out of uh, I think what was that? His number six. was six bar six. Yeah, that I let Charlie John have to breed some cows, and that's what he let me have back was. Oh that no bull kidding! There. Yeah, I'll be darned. And then, I mean, fender bender. Uh, the, he was a sire to many, many greats, but but uh, oh. ba- backbender, the classic yeah. world champ, as well as 
Midnight Bender PRCA Bull of the Year for you guys. Yeah, Bull of the Year, yeah. And, I mean, he was he, – he had some phenomenal caves. And they're big, too. Yeah, yeah, they all had size, and they they could handle it. And uh, and went blank. Jaw Bender, and there's another one. There was one in there that was really ranked. It broke his back. I cannot remember what his name was. But, I mean, he had some great caves. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the black bull, would it? Like O fifty three maybe? I'll make you famous. Was that a fender bender? Uh n- no. He was a red bull, but I can't tell you what his name was. Yeah. Number like I said, my memory these interviews are getting at the wrong time of my part of life. I have trouble <laughs> remembering stuff. Oh well, I, I know I know myself and, and other people that'll that'll get to listen to this will will sure enjoy it. Uh, listening to the kind of the beginning uh, and and into you, how how when you first got your your PRCA card, wh- what year do you think that was? The stock contracting part of it. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Is there is there very many guys left that that rodeo for a living like like you do that started no, back then? No, there's there's not that many that rodeo for a living like you know. Like uh, like there were in them days, you know, I, everybody there, when you walked in that room, there was Ridge Kessler and Neil Gay, Bernice Johnson, Mac Altizer and them. You, everybody pretty well made their living rodeoing in those days. Now it's kind of got where it's a, you walk in there and it's a hobby bunch. Uh-huh. I mean, they're not doing it because they're do, making a living at it. They're doing it because they've got other things to do (laughs) for sure so what about i do want to touch a little bit um what what about your bucking horse program do you guys raise your own bucking horses like you do your bulls yeah we do and unfortunately we haven't had good luck with our horse programs we have at our bulls we've tried to always that's the trouble with a horse you got five years invested and that mounts up we raise 15 to 20 coats a year so that means you got about a hundred horses, whether you find out whether you did right or wrong with a stud, and if you did wrong, well, you got a mess on your hands. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I talked. I went to the uh, to the out there at the ABBI finals and visited with a bunch of those people, and they're bucking them at yearlings now, in twos and threes with those dummies. And I asked them. I said, "Well, can you cull off this?" And they said, "No." Well, that didn't help you a bit. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they said, you know, you can get an idea that whether one's going to buck with that dummy, but you don't know if he's going to buck with a human. Well, like, that doesn't really help our program any, but I wish it did. I, you know, we'd love to be able to do it, but I don't know. We we buck, we come home from Vegas and gathered up two sets of coats and bucked them, and they bucked with that dummy. Now then, I'm ready to buck them again and see how many of them bucked the second time. And and how old were were these colts? Uh, threes and fours. Threes and fours. Had they and they'd never been bucked prior to when you guys no, just no. got home. No, we never had. We've always talked about it, but after I got to visit with all the horse guys out there, I thought we'd give it a whirl and see how it worked, and it was looked pretty good. We uh. I think it was three or four out of each set we called, but that's it. 
So what about like Power Play and and Brutus? Were them horses that you guys had raised? Yeah, yeah, we raised them and looked out because uh, and we have no idea what the stud was on either one of them. <laughs> is a is a horse deal just just a I guess a random question? Is it do you get as much a rise out of raising the horse that goes NFR, or, or you kind of like the bull deal a little better? Oh, oh yeah, uh, it does a horse deal because all the horses we got we had there this year we raised them too. And That's awesome. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, it's like I said we uh, there for a while we was looking out cool water and lock and load and all those horses kind of carried the load for us and we raised them and our lost a rabbit foot somewhere along the line we can raise some horses that'll get us by but we can't raise the superstar so where where did you did you get your start in in the in the bucking horse deal was that a same thing as the as the cow deal uh well we had our the our I had a set of mares, and Harry Bow sent me a stud. I picked up for Harry some, and he sent me a stud there in, I don't know, 88 or 89, one of those years right in there. And I bred to that stud, and I kept a stud out of a mare of his that I had bought from him, and that was the father to lock and load and, and cool in them. Uh-huh. And I'm not for sure if he ain't wasn't the dad of power play, but I'm not for sure. We had a couple of studs by that time. And in, in in the in the bucking horse deal, just the little I've got to talk to some guys, it seems like like people kind of trade around studs a little bit or loan yeah. loan a stud here or there. I mean, is, is that kind of what what you do nowadays? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do because like I said, if you keep one. And you breed, get five years out of him, and you messed up. He's a non-producer. Well, you really got a jam. So we like we'll try and breed a year or two, and then we'll borrow a stud or trade a stud or do something, get something different in there. That's that's that's. And that may be all wrong. I wouldn't tell anybody to do that, but that's what we've tried here. I don't know yeah. what's going. It's like I said, we had got raised any superstars here lately. How how many horses did you get to take to the finals this year? Three. With you. So this is kind of off the topic of, of a breeding program and stuff, but if there's a rodeo that that you just absolutely look forward to every year to take stock to, what, what would it be? Oh, good lord. Uh, hmm. Or maybe that's that you got to go to over the years, you know? That I've got to go to over the years. I don't know. I guess been going to Fort Worth and and uh What what about I, you looking forward to the new building? Have you have you been yeah, to that yet? Yeah. Well, I haven't been there yet. Uh the old building kinda of sentimental to me. That's where I took my first steps at and that old building my mom and dad told me. And uh I always enjoyed that old that rodeo over there. Uh, I'm sure that it would be good. I've always enjoyed San Antonio. I it always seemed like a real great deal. I've been in it since the 
old Hardy Murphy building over to the new Coliseum they got now. So, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think would be maybe just top of your head? We, we've talked about a lot of great bulls, but a bull that would be maybe the rankest bull that that you guys have raised to, to date. Oh, uh, I'm gonna say the date Bo's excuse. I, I think he had eighty something trips, and they never did ride him. Did did and, he retire unridden? Yeah, yeah. I cannot remember who, and that was a bodacious son, correct? Yeah, yeah, and and he come along when uh, Cody is having those mossy oak deals, and so he had a helping of the Brazilians and stuff. And to me, he is probably the rankest one we've ever brought along. I'm trying to remember uh, who it was that told me. Um, but I, I did a little story on on Bo's excuse. It's probably been, I mean, kind of back when I started this deal, and uh, it may. I, I want to say it might have been Corey Melton, and and he told me that he he showed up somewhere and and, and he had bar three, and he said he was a calf, and and that was that, that was the buckingest bull that he'd ever been on. He said he drilled him. I want to say it was Corey, but maybe maybe it was somebody different. Nonetheless. They said he was uh, you. You had brought him, and he was a calf, and and he had never got bucked off that hard in in his career by anything else. Yeah, and right about there, when he was a calf, he cut his leg real bad. So we kind of about halfway bucked on three legs. But he 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 was an athlete. Yeah, I'm assuming he's he's probably big. Yeah, well, no, he didn't get as big as his dad, but he had a lot. Pretty good size. And and did that bull being as ranked as, as as you say, did his has he produced for you? I'm sure you guys have bred yeah. him. Oh quite a bit. yeah, yes he has. Yep. Yes. He and is. Isn't a risky business that you took this year out of a bar three daughter? I think so. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing. The heifers, you know, out of those bulls is usually where you get them at. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You might miss with the bull cage, but the heifers will. It's funny, yeah. it's funny you say that. Denny, Denny McCoy told me one time that if if your if your set of bulls aren't any good, don't get rid of the females because they'll be the best best ones you ever you ever had. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good saying there. So what uh, on the heifer side of things with with your guys' program? You guys keep back quite a bit, or do you, or you sell heifers to the, to the public, or what? Ed, we we sell if we can. If somebody in, we sell them. If not, we'll keep most of them. We uh we got we're about like everybody else. We're limited on space around here. We can't keep a whole <laughs> bunch. Yeah, run out of room pretty quick. Not really true in the horse business. Well, you got better. You get out about a hundred of them or standing around here before you find out whether or not you got anything. And it's getting harder and harder to get anybody to get on cold. So we have to send them up to Cody Wildman with Maury Tate and the colleges and high schools and anybody else that'll buck them. Do you guys do, you guys do any, any amateur rodeos around East Texas there where you can buck some of these colts and stuff? Yeah, we do a few. But it's about like everything else. If you take a colt, well, 
they're not going to come get on them. You have to pretty well take an old solid horse to get them guys to get on them. You can squeeze one in there every once in a while. Not very often. It's getting no. tough to get, get entries in, in the rodeo business, it seems like, especially in the horse riding. It really is, and, I mean, it's uh, it's going to really hurt the small rodeos and stuff eventually because people will go get tired of watching them run caves and run barrels all the time, team rope. They they don't they don't lack on those entries, do they? No, they got those, but I mean the ranch way of life, the old cowboys seems to be fading, fading away. And that's and that's how I, I listened to a podcast with you and Matt Merritt, and, and that's that's how you grew up. I mean the cowboy way of life is is the only thing you know. Yes, sir. That's pretty sad to say, but yeah. And and I'm sure and kind of keeping up with you guys on Facebook and stuff, James and and your grandkids and and they're they're kind of following in in your footsteps the way the way you grew up. Oh, if if it wasn't for James, I then had to quit. He, it's kind of I'm kind of the truck driver now. He does it all. Well, uh, trying to trying to maybe kind of wrap it up here, but but also ask you a couple a couple more questions. What this this question might put you on the spot a little bit. But with with the registry and and starting it to to what it is now, I mean, what? How do you think the bull business has progressed or moved forward compared to when you when you and Bob had this envision of starting the registry many many moons ago? You know, uh, when we started this, I didn't really think it would ever take off like this. We just, you know, we thought it would do a little bit but my lord the ABBI has done wonders with it and all these securities and stuff it's gave avenues for people to go buck their calves and give them an incentive to be a part of it to raise them and uh, that's great and uh, I'm glad that we've started the thing because it stopped people from saying well this calf's out of bow and that cow's out of bow this way you can prove it just just by the color of the way they look yeah, yeah, yeah. Every yellow calf was out of bow in them days. And it seems like too, uh, I wasn't around back back in those days, but it seems like you know, I don't know what what a a short round caliber type bull would would bring back then, but the these fraternity calves have the ability to win hundreds of thousands. The classic you know bull pays two hundred thousand, and then on you know short round type bulls are worth. I mean, a hundred thousand plus dollars. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, that, that's that's made the bull business right there. If it wasn't for that, we'd like that guy was telling you he could buy bulls for five thousand. That's what they'd all be breeding the best ones. But now then, you can get a hundred for them mm-hmm. if they're that quality of bull. And you 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 were saying that you you rodeo with with your rodeo caliber bulls all the way to your best ones, but there's been a lot of bulls go on that have been purchased by you, uh, short round type bulls, Chad Berger and, and them guys that will buy after the NFR some some years and stuff. Uh, one that's coming to my mind right away would be uh, American Sniper and yeah, Old Four yeah. Days. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, you know, and uh, you know what? That's one thing about us uh, breeders, we got to be proud that they have those avenues to go to to make good money so they could give you some decent money for your bulls. 
Mm-hmm. Is, is there any? I mean, I'm sure you got plenty of bulls and, and things to breed to, but but a bull like American Sniper. I mean, is there ever any thoughts about maybe getting him back one day, or, or not necessarily him specifically, but just in general to to breed to? Or when you sell them, you, you find something else? Oh, we usually got something else because we always we have way too many bulls standing around here and you know like i say if something's lame or something well we got our pen set up over with our cows where we can pin them and we'll kick them out for a little bit and go get them and we borrowed bulls from dylan page from time to time to kind of outbreed some and i think that's that helps a lot you got to do that every once in a while kind of get away from your own bloodline a little bit uh-huh. i think you get a little too intertwined if you don't yeah, and some some bulls off the top of my head I can think of besides back back in the day and like Red Hot seemed to be pretty good for you and 3D5 I, I was a big fan of, of Gin and Juice I really liked that bull. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where he come from. He had the page breed behind. And and Gin and Juice actually you guys have been breeding to him and his calves seem to be really really good too. Yeah, 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 and. uh I let Rhett Butler breed with him there for a couple of years, and he's had good. He's having real good luck with his calves. So, I do. I do have a question. I'm glad you brought up Rhett Butler because I've done. I searched the registry. It feels like all day, every day. But anyways, <laughs> um, there's a bull that that I'm assuming you let Rhett breed to, um, or, or Benny, and his daughters. I don't. I don't think there was very many sons out of him, but his daughters. For, for the Butler program have produced numerous finals bulls and, and that would be Spin Doctor. Yes, Spin Doctor and Red had some bulls out of him that really worked. What's the what's uh, what's the book? I'm pretty that bull I on, think on it's Spin Cycle or something like that. I can't remember what he called that. He had two bulls that I think went to finals that was out of him. What uh, what what was the book on on Spin Doctor? Was that a bull that you guys had raised or a bull that you had bought? We bought that bull out of the sale barn, believe it or not. I'll be darned. Yeah. There was a bull. Uh, th- there's a specific cow. I don't remember her number or nothing, but she's a, a Butler cow, Spin Doctor daughter. And uh, did you let this is kind of not what I was going to ask you, but did you let them breed the Bo's excuse also? Yeah, we he sent some cows up here and we bred them. I was gonna say because this specific cow, the Spin Doctor daughter, she's the damn the three bulls that that have been to the finals, uh, and one of them went this year. Muley Madness, Spin Bow, and a and a bull called Whirlpool, I think was his name. Yeah. Uh, and they were she's she was a Spin Doctor daughter, and the three bulls that she had 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 all been to the finals, and I thought that was was pretty interesting because I. Heck yeah, I, I had no idea what Spin Doctor was other than you had him. Yeah, yeah. Holy darn. So, still, in a, in a sense of we were talking about the bucking horse deal, you guys do, as friends, kind of trade around some, some bulls here and there, let each other breed to and, and try something different. Right. Thank you. Yeah, try and get a little outside blood from time to time, trying to help you program. Yeah. Well, Sammy. Um, it's it's been great. I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to, to talk about the bull deal. And and if, if there's one last question, somebody kind of getting into it, whether it be the rodeo business or, or wanting to breed some cows or whatever, 
is there any kind of advice? Because it is discouraging as heck sometimes uh, to kind of keep a guy that's motivated. Uh, you got to be lucky. If you're lucky, you can stay in it. If you're not, you better get out. <laughs> you got to have some luck on your side. You better have some luck on your side. Awesome. Well, Sammy, uh, I appreciate it, and it was great talking with you. You bet. Thank you.